Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. But on this day, my prayer, on this last day of the Thanksgiving weekend, and I usually do think of it as an entire weekend, is that however your celebrations took shape this week, that they were indeed celebrations. It was an odd start to the holiday season, there's no doubt about that, and yet maybe there was something about it, that even in this time when we're not able to be together in the ways that we like, hopefully you still heard the words of peace and love to you, and that that allowed gratitude and humility to come up and out of you in whatever way. I hope that happened. And, as, and on this last day of the Thanksgiving weekend, we bid goodbye for the most part, and for most intents and purposes, we bid goodbye to autumn. And now we turn our thoughts to winter and to the quote-unquote holiday season, which now opens in front of us. For many of you, and the Chamlin family is not quite here yet, but for many of you, the turkey and the cranberry has gone down and the tree is already up. We are full-blown into Christmas. I mean, for crying out loud, look behind me. We are already ready to celebrate this. And we culturally make in this weekend this massive shift from one holiday to another, from one season to another, and we do this unlike any other time in our calendar year. In fact, it can be jarring. Like, Even Memorial Day, sort of the beginning of the summer season as many people think about it, it's not quite as jarring a shift from spring into summer. It's not, and school doesn't even work this way. The shift from summer into autumn doesn't work that work quite this abruptly. But yet we go from autumn to winter and from Thanksgiving to the Christmas season so quickly. And it can be jarring. But I want to begin this Advent season by enjoy the last minutes that we have. However you observe this time of year, observe it with grace, with good humor, with sensitivity and thoughtfulness. But there's something to be learned in this shift on this weekend that is instructive not just for the world, but for the church. The church spends a lot of time criticizing this weekend, and I have plenty of things to say about it. But there is something to be learned from it. Because there is something in this massive shift that very much mirrors the life of the church which happens on this Sunday. Think about it for a second. Last Sunday, on the last Sunday of the church year, we celebrate as Christ the King or the reign of Christ. We rejoice and celebrate that Jesus Christ has begun his reign, and in you and in me, his kingdom is coming and has come. In daily prayer over the last week, we've read the stories about how God is tearing down God's enemies, tearing down the things of empire and of hatred, of inequality, of sin and of fear. God is tearing all of that down and is bringing about a new kingdom that has come through the cross of Jesus Christ and is based upon faith, hope, and love. We did all that last week. And then in a mere seven days, our language has turned from the king has come to how long, O Lord, how long? We began our service. A voice cries in the wilderness, make ready. Well, there's this, it's this really jarring thing. Last week, he was already here, and now he's gone again? As the calendar turns over and we begin to tell the story again, how do we make sense of that? What purpose does this shift have for us? Are we simply cosplaying 
Are we simply starting a new season of a show that keeps rolling over and over? Or is this overlap, this dissonance that may we feel on this day, actually an important part of Christian life and witness? You can probably guess that my answer is the latter. This is not just pretending. This overlap is actually really critical to us. And it only happens on this day. If today really is the first Sunday of our new church year and actually is the jumping off point for telling of a new story, then we must remind ourselves as we set out to tell the story again of our first principles. And one of the first principles we commit ourselves to as people of faith is that we ought to tell the truth as best we can know it and as best we can understand it. Last Sunday we sought to proclaim the truth that the kingdom of Christ is coming and that all things are going to be set right. That is the truth into which we live. But today we are invited to acknowledge and to tell the truth that we are a long way from that kingdom being fully realized. In light of the kingdom that we proclaimed, the kingdom in which we find ourselves today is a poor facsimile. It is full of suffering and pain. If the kingdom of God is where all things are set right, we live in a world where it almost seems like everything is set wrong. And it is in the collision of these stories, the story that we have heard and the story that we are living, that this incredible tension arises. Do we not see it in our moment? The tension we proclaimed, friends, a world of abundance for all, and yet we live in a world where few are bloated with resources and the many suffer from want. We proclaim a world where all are invited to the table, and yet as we tell the truth about our world, we continue to draw boundaries. We continue to make rules that bring some in and leave others out. We proclaim a kingdom that is for others, that loves God and loves neighbor as much as we love ourselves, and yet we consistently create environments that serve ourselves without thought to how it might serve our neighbor. This is the truth of our world, is it not? If we're being honest, is this not the world we find ourselves in? And if that is true, then in this way, the words that Amanda read, Frederick Beekner, the words that he wrote ring true. The gospel is bad news before it is good news. The gospel begins with an intense dissatisfaction with the world as we have inherited it. We don't have to wallow in it, but we do have to be truthful about it. Advent calls us to see the world as it is. And it also invites us to not be satisfied with the world as it is. Sure, racism might not be in you, but racism is in the world. Why would we permit that? Why would we tolerate that? Sure, God might have provided for your needs, but need explodes all around us. Shall we be content in such pain? Sure, you might not be a bigot, but bigotry is on full display in our world. This is not the kingdom that we proclaimed. We are not yet home. There is a sense that if we intend to follow on the way of Christ, we have to get fed up enough with the world as it is to abandon the world's ways of doing things. There is a sense which being fed up and totally dissatisfied with the world starts us on the gospel path. To abandon the temporary salves that we use to ease this pain and to stare deep into the pain of our world and through the pain to see a deeper truth that the kingdom has come and is still yet coming.
Advent demands that we tell the truth. Isaiah, the seer, the most important prophet, not the only important prophet, but the most important prophet who spoke words of hope to an exiled kingdom, also spoke these dissatisfied words of frustration and pain. He cries out to God saying, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Never read these verses as, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Never do that. Isaiah's cry, Isaiah has just proclaimed that God is going to do something great for his people. And then he looks at the people and says, oh my gosh. And he screams, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Isaiah knew what God was going to do. And Isaiah was equally sure that the people, the world around him was a mess. Both are truth. And only when, do the, when those truths overlap do we find ourselves setting off for the gospel. To use the words of St. John, for the light to shine in the darkness, we must come to grips with the darkness. But armed with the story that we have just finished telling over the course of the last year, Jesus' death, resurrection, Pentecost, new life and a new kingdom, armed with that story, we don't have to fear that darkness. In this season, a season of repentance and hope, we steal our gaze, we gird up our resolve, and we set out yet again to discover anew what this promised child is going to bring, what that light is actually going to reveal in you and me and in the world. That is where the gospel begins, and that's how it begins on this day when the kingdom and our world overlap in such powerful ways. Now, if this feels daunting... I want to encourage us that we do not go to this journey empty-handed. The world may be a dark place, but we do not go with complete darkness inside of us. As we set out, the Apostle Paul uses the same language of light and dark, and he reminds the people of Colossae when he says, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. He says, everything that you need, you have because you have already been rescued. And if this world is deeply in need of redemption, it is equally true that so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. What he's saying is, yes, the world is a dark place, but it is equally true and more importantly true that God has been at work in you. And when those two things are true, we can set out. This is the thrill of hope. This is the way that a weary world rejoices. And it is the hope of our faith and the promise of this moment. So how, St. Mary, shall we proceed? How shall we be for the next four weeks? Our culture usually hands these spiritually weighty times. They usually handle these times with some kind of hype, with some kind of cheap thrill and some kind of emotion. And let me be honest, I love it as much as anybody else. I'm not here to talk down on don't have no fun during the Christmas season. That's not what I'm saying. But in our faith, Christians in these spiritually weighty moments usually go quiet. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Because Christ is coming. Christ will set things right. We are called to watch and wait, watch and hope, invite others to hope, be reminded of what Isaiah said. As Isaiah was tearing himself apart with grief, he said, wait a second, we are the clay and you are the potter. 
the potter going to do what the potter's going to do? And so if we are weary and frustrated, if this time finds us tired, if this time finds us exhausted, if this time finds us frustrated, let me remind you and encourage you that we are on the cusp of the gospel because it's precisely to that place where Christ will come. It is into the darkness that the light shines. And that is enough for us as we set out on this journey together that we call Advent. And so we pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. May we be ransomed in this season and find the glory of God shining brighter and more incredible than ever because of the stories that we tell. Amen.